Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey guys, and welcome to the Dog Speak podcast. I am Nikki Ivey, your host. I am thrilled that you are joining me to talk puppies, dog training, real life manners, and more. Be sure to check out our Facebook page as well as our website at dogspeak101.com. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks, and welcome to episode three of the Dog Speak podcast. We are going to spend this podcast talking puppies. Everyone loves puppies. They're precious. They're fun. They love you. They have that wonderful puppy breath, and they're really adorable until they continue peeing in your house, until they eat your antique furniture, or until they just attack every part of your body when you're trying to do anything with those sharp little teeth. Yes, cuteness wears off. So we are going to be talking in this podcast about puppies and everything about puppies with your house breaking, your biting and chewing, being prepared. This is probably going to be our longest podcast so far, but there is a lot to cover and how you start your puppies can absolutely set you up for success. So what age are we talking with puppies? I'm going to be talking eight weeks of age with puppies. Now, when you get to about six, seven, eight months, you're looking at at adolescence, and then you get into adulthood, 12, 14, 16 months. But we are going to be talking eight-week-old puppies, and we're going to start from that point to discuss our housebreaking and chewing and things of that nature. So let's get into how we need to prepare for our puppy. It really doesn't matter if you get your puppy from a rescue a shelter, uh, whether you are purchasing a puppy, it's all going to start the same. And that is going to start the second that your puppy comes home. You are going to start teaching it the rules of the house. You're going to start teaching it where it needs to potty. And you're going to be prepared before that dog comes into the home. Now, if you've already gotten your puppy, 
and you're thinking, oh no, am I even ready for this? Don't fret. We will get you on the right track. We will get you prepared. And if you are going down the wrong path right now, no worries. We will find you. We will grab you. We will bring you back to where you can start fresh. And you've not screwed up your dog yet. So just hang in there. We'll get you going on the right path. So there are a few items every puppy owner needs to own. And the very first thing that you need to own is a long-term confinement area, which would be a crate. A crate comes um, in different forms. You have mesh crates, wire crates, plastic crates. I personally like to use wire crates for puppies and for dogs in general. And a lot of the crates that you get do come with some dividers. So you can actually buy a crate that will be good for your puppy full grown and then make it smaller while the puppy is growing. We'll talk more about that crate in a little bit. Uh, so you've got to have that long-term confinement area, the crate that's going to help with your housebreaking and setting your dog up for success. Another thing I recommend is somewhere where a dog can hang out for some short-term confinement to where it can play with its toys, be outside of the crate, but also be safe um, to where it can chew on the right things and do the right behavior if you are unable to really keep your eye on the pup. So having some type of playpen, a small pen area is my recommendation where you can put some water in there. You've got some stuffed uh, toys, maybe stuffed with some kibble, and you'll have some different type of puppy chew toys that they can chew on. And this will allow the puppy to be outside of the crate, be moving around and being a puppy, but also spending some time chewing on the right items. Uh, this needs to be a small area. So I know a lot of my clients will use kitchens, but the kitchen is just really too big of an area where a dog can easily get himself into trouble especially with the housebreaking. So let's have a small area where you can watch the dog, but not necessarily be able to keep your eye on it. It's just a nice safe play area when the dog is not in long-term confinement. There are going to be times where the puppy will be out with you, and we will talk more about that. But the short-term and long-term confinement will be your best bet in setting your dog up for success. So there are different types of pens. Um, some people are even using baby play pens. Uh, you know, if you have a small enough dog that can do that, no problem. But if you have a little bit of a larger dog that could easily climb out or just pull themselves up over, I recommend just some plastic dog pens that um, basically is just fencing that sets up and connects in your home. And it doesn't have to actually connect to a wall. It really just connects to itself. So you can move it around and, and put it into different rooms if you need to. Now there are a few items that you definitely want to have for your long-term and short-term confinement. Tongs are one of the best toys that you can get to stuff food and treats into. We use Kongs regularly to help dogs feel comfortable in crates. So you can get yourself a Kong to use for your short-term and long-term confinement. And not only will that start associating good things with those areas, but you'll also start teaching the dog appropriate items to chew on. You'll also want to get some different type of bones. 
They have Bena Bones, Nyla Bones. There are some different items out there that you'll want to find to put in your long-term and short-term confinement area. I do recommend toys with no stuffing, different textures so that the dog has a variety of toys to chew on so they're not chewing on your stuff but chewing on their items in that short-term and long-term confinement as well as having toys available when they are out of the confinement and are hanging out with you. You'll want to go ahead and invest in a collar and a leash. Um, the leash, depending on the size of your dog, uh, four to six foot, um, a half inch to a three quarter inch would suffice. You want to go with the lightest weight leash that you can get away with so that the dog is not feeling too much pressure around the collar. Dogs don't typically like the collars when you first put them on, so I recommend putting them on um, 10, 15 minutes at a time. Uh, maybe putting it on right before you feed and then maybe another five minutes later on um, and then continually to get the dog comfortable with the collar. I don't recommend wearing collars inside the crate, but you should be okay with the collar in your short-term confinement area. But you want to start using that collar and leash immediately, especially when we start talking about housebreaking. Your dog will also need to get used to the leash, and my recommendation is to use the leash, but not actually walk the dog with the leash. Let the dog walk, and you just follow behind with the leash. That way the dog is learning to feel the weight of the leash, and not we're not putting anything negative to it, trying to get them to walk when they're not really sure what to do just yet. But that leash and collar is going to be super important, and... Um, you don't want to wait until they get a little bit older or a little bit bigger. You want to go ahead and get them used to everything that we're going to be doing with them as adults. So let's go ahead and get into the housebreaking because I think that is a, a really big segment that people really struggle with. And so I want to go ahead and get into the housebreaking and, um, and talk about how that leash and collar is going to come in handy for that. So there's actually three steps to housebreaking. One, teaching the dog where to go. Obviously, grass is where we want the dogs to go. Two would be teaching the dog how to tell you they need to go out to the grass to potty. And three is teaching them how to hold it. Just because a dog matures doesn't mean that mentally he's going to start holding it. So that's actually a three-step process that we must go through. So let's first talk about getting them out into grass. You know, wherever a dog is raised, that's what their substrate preference will be. If the dog, the first eight weeks of life was on newspaper, then that's where the dog is going to be peeing. If the dog was brought up in a concrete run and the dog was peeing on concrete, then in the pup's mind, that is where they're supposed to potty. If a dog is raised on the grass, then that's where they get to go potty. So it's really important that we don't, we don't want to have puppies that are allowed to pee in their crate and it just be soaked up by pee pad or going through the grates. So it's really important that we give the dog an opportunity to pee in the grass every single time we think it needs to pee. It's not natural for dogs to go to grass. So it's our job to make sure that we get them out into the grass area. Now, when you take your dog out to potty, it is imperative that you limit the dog's options. Puppies get very, very distracted very, very easily. 
one second they could be looking for a spot to potty and then they see a squirrel and it's all over. Um, also, not only are squirrels distracting, but you as the human can actually be very distracting. And if you're out with your pup and you continually tell the pup to go potty, you're being as distracting as that squirrel. Think about every time you tell your dog to go potty, you're restarting his brain. So when you go out to take the dog to potty, you'll come up with whatever word you choose. Pee pee, potty, poop, hurry up, do your business. You pick whatever is good for you and use that. You'll want to take the dog out on a leash and collar so that you are limiting the options. Find a small area where it is appropriate for your dog to eliminate and limit the options of the dog in that area. In other words, only allow the dog to hang out in that small area. The dog is welcome to walk around and you're going to follow the dog holding that leash, but we want to give the dog an opportunity to find what it wants. Just don't give the dog half the yard to do that because he's going to get distracted and, and have different smells that he's going to want to go smell. So we really need to focus on a smaller area. Take the dog out into the area, tell them to do their business, and then you stay quiet for at least 30 seconds. You don't say another word unless the dog does his business. If the dog eliminates, you will reward immediately. Good boy, good girl, and you will give a treat at that moment. Not when you come in, but at that moment. If your dog does not go potty after 30 seconds, you may remind the dog, please go potty, please go hurry, whatever your word is, and give the dog another opportunity to potty. Again, dog potties, make sure that you reward at that moment. Step two, teaching the dog how to tell you. My recommendation is putting a bell on the door or at least hanging beside the door. What you will do is when you know your dog needs to go potty, you will take the dog to the door, ask the dog if he needs to go potty. You will kick the bell yourself using your foot and you'll immediately take the dog out to go potty. And then you will follow step one of getting the dog to potty. You will follow that routine every single time that the dog needs to go potty. And you'll probably do that for the first week. After about a week, you will then take your dog to the door, ask your dog if he needs to go potty, and then stand there quietly. What we want is the dog to look up at you and look at the bell and basically wait on you to do the bell. But when you don't do it, we want the dog to help you out by sticking their nose on it, hitting it with their paw, just hitting it hard with their nose. If the dog gives you any type of interaction with the bell, even if it doesn't make a loud noise, you immediately good puppy and take out and then follow step one. If after 20 seconds to 30 seconds your dog does not ring the bell, kick it and go out to potty and then repeat the process the next time. Usually it only takes a couple of weeks for dogs to understand the bell process if you do it correctly. Um, if you are constantly ringing it for them all the time and not giving them an opportunity, they're not going to learn. You also don't want to take their paw and hit the bell using their paw. That's not going to teach them anything. So you'll kick it with your foot and then you will give the dog an opportunity to hit the bell himself. Step three is teaching your dog how to hold it. Now when we're talking holding, 
basically rule of thumb is that the dog can hold it for the amount of hours of age and month plus one. But you want to take in consideration the size of your puppy. A six-month-old Chihuahua may not be able to go as long as a six-month-old German Shepherd. So you'll want to keep yourself a little chart of when your dog does his business, when he pees, when he poops, uh, whether he's having an accident in the house or whether he's doing it appropriately out in the grass. You'll want to make sure that you write it down so that you can get an idea when your dog needs to go. And if your dog is a twice peer or a twice pooper, it'll help you understand kind of where your dog is. And then you can look at your chart and see that for a week, you've been going out every hour and being successful. Then you may want to spread it to an hour and five minutes and to see if you can be successful there. And you slowly will increase the time during the day of how long the dog waits to go potty. Most dogs will do very well at holding it for a couple of hours in their crate, but even young puppies, you know, if you have an eight, nine week old puppy, that's really pushing it to two, two and a half, three hours. So you want to make sure that you are getting them out on a regular basis. And if you're not at home and you're going to work, you need to find a dog walker, someone to come in and let the puppy out to go potty. At nighttime, when there is very little interaction and very little stimulation taking place in the environment, your dog should be able to go a little longer. But very young puppies still need to be let out probably every three to four hours at night. So, you you know, I'm really, I like waking my puppies up. If I know that we go to bed at 10 o'clock and I know that at 1 o'clock they're going to wake up and go potty, I may wake them up at 12.55 so that I'm not allowing them to wake fully to go out and potty because then it's harder to put them back to sleep. But if I wake them up at 1255 and we go out to potty, dog does its business, but it's still sleepy enough that they should fall asleep uh, fairly quickly once they get back in their crate. Now, dealing with accidents. Let's start with accidents in the house. If a dog eliminates in the house, then it is the human's fault, not the dog's fault, because the dog doesn't know where to eliminate until you train it. And so if you have a dog who eliminates in the house, make sure that you guys are doing a better job at looking at your schedule, writing things down to know when the dog needs to potty. We'll go through some troubleshooting um, here in a few minutes. But let's say that you find pee-pee or poop in your house um, during the day. Well, at that point, there's nothing you can do but clean it up and move on with your day. Uh, you do not want to punish the dog for using the bathroom in the house. If you catch the dog in the act, you can clap your hands just to startle the dog so hopefully he will stop eliminating and you can take him out to finish. The reason we don't want to punish dogs for potty in the house is because dogs don't know that potty in the house is wrong. Therefore, if you are potty, I'm sorry, if you are correcting them when they potty in the house, they're going to learn that peeing or pooping in front of you is a negative. Therefore, they'll start hiding pee and poop and you'll have a hard time getting them to pee and poop outside in the grass in front of you, which means it's going to be very difficult to reward. So never, ever punish your dog for peeing and pooping in the house. It is your fault if that happens. Okay, so no rubbing their nose in it, no spanking tails and knocking noses, no, 
you know, showing it to them and asking them what they've done, they don't have a clue. So make sure you take the responsibility and you get on a schedule and get your dog out to potty and poop when it needs to go. Pottying in the crate is abnormal. However, if you do not take your puppy out on a regular basis, then the puppy is probably going to potty in the crate. You want to make sure that your crate is only large enough for the puppy to stand up, turn around, and lay down. That way there's no extra spaces for your puppy to pee. If your puppy can pee in one corner and sleep in another, then that's what they will do. So you want to make sure that the, pu the crate's not too big um, and the puppy only has enough room to, to stand up, turn around, and lay down. Now, if your dog is potting in the crate, make sure that you're taking them out on a regular schedule. If you are and the dog is still potting in the crate, then my next recommendation is to take anything out that is soaking up the pee or the poop. So if you have a big thick towel, it's nothing for your dog to pee on the towel and it's going to soak it up so that the, for the dog, it's like, hey, great, I peed and... And now I don't have to lay in it because it's soaked up in the towel. So I take away anything that can soak up the pee um, so that the dog is uncomfortable if he does potty in the crate. Now, again, this is for dogs that are given the opportunity to potty on a regular basis but still pottying in the crate. And lastly, if your dog is pottying in the crate, even when there's nothing in there and they don't mind standing in it or sitting in it, which is, again, very abnormal, um, then what you can do to help the dog understand that, that the crate needs to be a cleaner space is feed the dog off the bottom of the crate. So you would basically take the kibble and throw it on the bottom of the crate, and that's how your dog would basically eat his meal because he does not want to pee or poop where he is going to eat. So those are a few things that you can do if you're having trouble with the crate. Now, let's say that you know that your dog needs to potty. He's eaten and it's been 15, 20 minutes and your dog is pretty regular at going to poop within that time. You go outside, you follow your step one and two, you go outside and the dog is not doing his business. If I give them three to five minutes to do their business and they still haven't, then I'm going to bring them inside. I'm going to put them in their crate for a couple of minutes. Then we're going to go back out and try the process again. In other words, you want to do zero play and do anything that the dog finds rewarding until he does his business if you know he needs to go. If you're not sure he needs to go, then you can't put that consequence in play. Uh, you, that's why keeping a nice record will help you to know if the dog is really needing to potty and if you need to put that consequence into play or not. So keeping that record and make sure that you are giving the dog ample opportunity, but not 10, 15, 20 minutes. I'm not going to stand outside with the dog for 10 or 15 minutes to get him to go potty. You want to give them three to five, and if they go quickly and you reward, then give them a few extra minutes to sniff or play. So that becomes a reward for doing their business quickly. Don't always bring them right back inside after they do their business. Otherwise, they will learn to hold it and potty last minute. And if you do have your dog outside, maybe it's being, being outside and it's been playing and you went out with it, it potted, then you let it play, and it's been out for, say, an hour, and you're ready to bring the puppy in. 
you need to make sure that that dog gets an opportunity to go potty after you've told it and used your words before you bring it inside. If you wait an hour and then bring the dog in and it pees in your floor, it's not the dog's fault. He didn't know you were bringing him in. So, you know, the puppies don't have that thought process of, oh, I'm going in the house. I better go ahead and do my business. You need to go out, ask them to do their business, and then you can bring them inside. So you can see how all this housebreaking is really on the human. The dog is just going to go with the flow. And if you give them an opportunity to potty on a regular basis um, in the grass and you're rewarding that, then you should be pretty successful with the housebreaking itself. And you should be able to get through it fairly quickly. Um, we're at week number two with our puppy and she is regularly ringing the bell and doing her business outside and we've had zero accidents in the house the last probably four or five days. So it's just that consistency and giving them an opportunity and making sure that we're not we're not having a party until the business is taken care of. But always throw a party after they take care of their business. One more problem you're going to run into once the housebreaking is really on its way to being successful is that your pup is going to learn that ringing the bell gets them outside. Therefore, you'll end up getting a dog who will start ringing the bell just to go outside to play. That is not a big deal. Um, the first few times, if you think it's potty, you need to take them out. Once you understand that the housebreaking is really taken care of, then just tell them that that's enough. Um, or just say no bell or no outside. Something very calm, no big deal. And really, you could just ignore them. Um, but if you think there's a possibility of potty, you need to absolutely let them out to potty. And always go outside with them to make sure they've done their business and reward them. Do not just put a dog outside and then let them in 30 minutes later expecting that they've done their business. That is complete failure for the dog. Also, one last thing. And this one just popped up because we personally don't use it. So I don't think too much about it. But I don't like dog doors when housebreaking a dog. One, it allows a dog to go out to potty with no reward by the owner. Two, it doesn't teach the dog how to tell you to potty. And thirdly, if a dog has access to potty anytime it wants, the dog is not going to learn how to mentally hold the pee and poop. So I am not a dog door fan for puppies. Once they are housebroken, and if that's something that you want to do, that is a personal preference, but not for housebreaking. Puppies need to have controlled environments. You need to have responsibility, and you need to make sure that you're setting your dog up for complete success with housebreaking, and you should get through the housebreaking process fairly quickly. You should not be six months down the road and still struggling with housebreaking. If that's the case, and you've really gone the wrong route. So make sure that you are following the steps, keeping a nice record of when your dog goes, making sure everybody in the house is, is on the same page and using the same words, and being consistent in your expectations for housebreaking. I feel like I should talk about one more part of the housebreaking. I'm telling you, housebreaking could be an episode all by itself. I want to teach you how to clean up urine and I know that may sound silly but believe it or not most people do not clean up urine correctly 
it is very important that you clean up every time that the dog does potty in the house to make sure that that odor is not there. So if your dog potties on carpet or a rug, it is crucial that you soak up absolutely every bit of urine before you spray any type of cleaner. Soak everything up to where basically your paper towel or towel is coming up dry, then you will spray it with your cleaner. Do not just soak up a little and then spray your cleaner because the urine is still there. Soak it up completely. Step on the towel, really get down into the grooves, and then once it's the towel is coming up dry, then you'll spray your cleaner and clean the area. All right, so if you don't clean it correctly, then that odor is going to stay there and not to mention the stains that will pop up. So clean it up correctly will help you and go a long way in the housebreaking, but also will um, prevent you from having some old stains that are there for years to come. The next thing I want to talk about is chewing items. Chewing can be a real issue as dogs are putting their teeth on expensive furniture and rugs, curtains. I mean, dogs will put their mouth on pretty much anything and everything. So let's talk about chewing. Now, if you listen to podcast two, to episode two, we talked about self-rewarding and non-self-rewarding behaviors. Chewing is a self-rewarding behavior, which means that it doesn't matter what the dog chews on. It's still relieving some stress. There's some enjoyment there. And so chewing being that it is self-rewarding, it's not something we can ignore. However, it's also not something that we need to punish or even have the mindset of correct. What we do need to do is teach the dog the appropriate items to chew on. So if your dog begins to chew on something that they're not supposed to have, I want you to quietly, which means don't say anything, walk over, remove the dog from the item if it's stationary, or if it's not stationary, remove the item from the dog, again without saying anything, and then give the dog something that it is appropriate for him to chew on. The dog stays there for at least five seconds chewing on the appropriate item. You are then going to verbally mark that behavior and tell them how good they are. If the dog chews on it for just a few seconds and then goes over back to the inappropriate item, I want you to repeat the process. You will repeat this process probably three to four times. And on the third or fourth time, probably the fourth to start with, just because we want to give our dog an opportunity to learn. If the dog goes the fourth time, you will then go get the dog and put the dog in a quick timeout. The timeout is, again, the crate is the easiest and safest place, or you can use your pen area, which is your short-term confinement area. The timeout is only about 30 seconds. After that, let the dog out and begin the process again. If your dog has an item, say a shoe, I'm really big on teaching my dogs that if there is a shoe there, I'm going to teach them to not bother it instead of just picking the shoe up and putting it away. So if I have an item like a shoe 
and I need to take that item away, I'm going to take it away and put it right back where it was. And I'm going to repeat this process so that the dog learns to leave the shoe alone. What you will end up finding is that the dog will start to walk by the shoe and walk over to the shoe to see what your response or reaction is going to be. You want to make sure that you don't anticipate the dog screwing up and trying to interrupt before it has an opportunity to make a choice. Let the dog make a choice first, then do your interruption, or if the dog walks past without picking it up, you're going to praise and reward the dog. Plan on doing multiple timeouts for the same behavior because the timeout is part of the teaching process. The dog has to figure out what the common denominator is for the ability to earn rewards is taken away, which is the timeout, the isolation. You have to repeat the process. Don't just do it a couple of times and think it doesn't work. You have to stay with it. Some dogs are very stubborn. They're going to try things 20 and 30 times. You've got to make sure that you stay doing the same thing every time. Now, if your dog continues going back to this item after you know, a couple of days, then you may want to go to two to three strikes and you're out and then one to two strikes and then one strike and then maybe even an immediate timeout. So you want to make sure you give them plenty of opportunity to learn, make the choice to see if that's going to work, um, interrupt with the least amount of interaction. We're not punishing. We're not correcting. We're simply interrupting and teaching what we do want them to chew on. If you punish them for chewing, they will begin to hide and chew while they're hiding from you, and you cannot control what they're chewing on at that point. Um, when your dog is laying down and chewing on the appropriate item, do not be afraid to tell your dog what a wonderful puppy he or she is for chewing on the appropriate item. Do not take it for granted. I know it's, it's very tempting to just ignore the dog when it's laying down and being quiet, but if you do that, the dog is going to learn that laying there and chewing isn't as rewarding as getting up and getting your attention. And sometimes that's getting your attention in the negative way. So just make sure that you stay consistent with it, that you continue the process of allowing them to make choices and interrupting when needed and praising when needed. If you do that, then chewing will absolutely be much easier to deal with than, um, than what you think it would be. And of course, using your short-term confinement and long-term confinement can help set the dog up for success as well. So that's how we're going to deal with chewing. But I want to talk about biting, which is different than chewing. I look at biting or mouthing as a puppy who is using their mouth to play with the humans, grabbing clothes, grabbing shoelaces, hands, arms, jumping up at faces. This is puppy play biting, and dogs must learn bite inhibition. They need to learn that, that there are certain ways to play with humans and certain ways you do not want to play with humans. Their socialization with other dogs will absolutely help them learn bite inhibition, but they also need to learn it from you. So when we're dealing with biting dogs, we want to be very clear in our communication to help them understand that biting does not work, and you need to start this immediately. So when you get the pup, and if the puppy is starting to mouth on you, you are going to do a little three-step process, which is first, you're going to give a very high-pitched yelp. 
you're going to then pull away the body part that the dog has bitten on and then you're going to ignore the dog for three to five seconds the dog will probably be startled the first time and will pause and play that's that three to five second of ignore and then you're going to go back and you're going to start acknowledging the dog and playing with the dog again the dog is inevitably going to bite again that is whenever you yelp pull away and ignore so the yelp is something that is very high pitched you can use the word yelp you can say ouch it's just about making sure that you're very dramatic with it i'm going to move the mic away from my mouth a little bit so i can do it for you so if the dog is biting on me i'm basically going to yelp like ah! pull away and then ignore and this will communicate to the dog that that is inappropriate play with humans that that is something that hurt if the dog comes back three or four times then you're going to do your timeout just like everything else um, you can do this with your shoelaces with clothing you just have to make sure that when you yelp and pull away you must ignore which means you do not look at the dog to see if he's no longer biting trust me when I say that the dog you'll know if it's no longer biting or if it's still biting and there will be moments that your dog thinks it's fun to make you yelp and they're going to push your buttons and they're going to continue biting which is when you're going to put the dog in a timeout which is just as much for you at this point as it is for the dog as your dog gets sleepy and tired uh, they're going to get frustrated a little bit faster which means that the biting is probably going to increase and that's usually a good sign that they need a quick nap so keep that in mind when you are playing with your puppies now if there's a time that let's say you're trying to pet your pup and they're trying to bite you you don't want to be moving your hand around their body preventing them from biting while you're petting them if you're trying to pet them and they're trying to bite you need to just stop petting them okay otherwise you're making it almost like a game and they're going to try a little bit harder so you have to be consistent in, in your expectations and my recommendation is that you know if you have children or the dog's going to be around children i would recommend having no teeth touch skin so i would yelp even if the teeth just touch if you're not necessarily going to be around a lot of small kids then you may decide that it's okay if the dog uses his teeth just as long as it's not hard and he's not biting down so it's just really important that the dog understands to how to control their mouth and of course socializing with other dogs can make a huge difference because adult dogs can really help your puppy learn to have a softer mouth our puppy that we have she was bottle fed which means that she didn't have the opportunity to learn to have a little bit of a softer mouth when she was feeding off of her mother um, she also didn't learn a lot of um, ways of dealing with frustration because she didn't have to really fight over um, you know milk and fight over food and so with the bottle feeding what we're finding is that she bites hard I mean really hard and and it's definitely been a little bit more of a challenge um, more so than regular puppies but we're just staying consistent with it and are starting our three strike you're out two strike you're out and then now after a couple of weeks if she just bites out of the blue we're typically doing a quick timeout for that if she's biting during play we will usually yell but if we're walking through the house and she just comes over and bites 
then we're usually doing a quick timeout for that to really communicate to her that that is not an appropriate way to play with us. And we have to watch her as well because when she's playing with our cat, she's playing too rough and he's not doing a good job at correcting her for the biting. And, it, and that's why we need to make sure she's playing with other dogs. Our adult dogs don't want anything to do with her right now. But when she gets into daycare, she will learn that biting hard is inappropriate and she will get corrected. But the way that dogs correct puppies is similar to what we're doing. We're doing the yelp, pull away and ignore. So a lot of times the adults will yelp and then ignore the puppy. And they won't increase that correction into more of an aggressive behavior. So many people think that dogs are constantly biting or grabbing by the scruff. And these are not typical ways for correction. And the Yelp is really about interruption and communication. You really need to avoid using things like no bite, easy, gentle. Do not be grabbing their muzzles and holding their muzzles. Do not use firm tones. Do not use harsh words. Because all you'll do at that point is you'll put fear into your puppy. Because you're communicating in a way that they don't understand. They don't understand you looking them in the eye, holding their muzzle shut, and saying, no bite. All they see that is a very confrontational person um, that they not necessarily will trust in the future. So you want to communicate clearly with them. There's a reason why we call our business dog speak because it is about learning how to communicate with them. We are the greater species and we have the ability to learn communication with them other than them learning how to communicate in our human terms. So be patient with your puppy. It's, it's a normal process they go through. And then of course, when they start teething, they're probably going to be biting more. That teething process starts usually about four, four and a half months. And you know, they're going to probably be biting more, maybe even chewing a little bit more. My recommendation is getting a teething ring. You can freeze a washcloth, a wet washcloth, and give it to them to chew on. If they're not really big on the frozen wet washcloth, then you can even dip that washcloth in something like low-sodium chicken broth and then freeze it. And that'll give them something to soothe um, their teeth while they're, you know, kind of mouthing on it. So there are a lot of different things that you can do to help puppies out. Just understand that they're going through processes and they're going to count on you to teach them and they're going to count on you to be consistent and to set that tone. And as long as you practice this and stay with it, then your dog will begin to respond and your dog will learn how to use their mouth appropriately. They will learn to chew on the appropriate items and they'll learn the appropriate place to potty, but it's all on you. It's not put on the puppy. So you've got to stay consistent, get the whole family involved in this process. You know, keep your potty chart. Make sure everybody is doing the same thing. Your small children should not run and scream when the puppy's trying to play and jump and bite because to the dog, that is just play. Teach your children to cross their arms, look up at the sky, ignore the dog, do a nice high-pitched yelp. Kids can learn this, and sometimes kids can learn it a lot faster than adults because their brain's not full of all these things that they, you know, have known for the last 20 years. 
So teach your children, help them out, help them be successful in being a part of this puppy's life and, and setting the expectations. And if you do that, you're basically setting your puppy up for a very successful life as an adult. So I hope you feel a little more prepared in dealing with your puppy. I hope you feel like you can be successful with your housebreaking and mouthing and chewing and really setting your pup up for success. Patience, supervision, and setting those expectations early will help you and your dog be successful. So I hope you learned a lot. Listen to this over and over and over again if you need it. And be prepared for next week where we are going to get into more puppy behavior and how to socialize, how to get them around other dogs, what behavior we need to be looking for, uh, dealing with scary items or scary situations that your puppy may get into so that we can have success as an adult. So I hope that you guys will join me for episode four next week when we continue our adventure with puppy and puppy behavior in helping you set your dog up for success for a very, very long and wonderful life with you as a very good family member. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next week.